your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. We are coming to you immediately following Everton's 1-0 win at Goodison Park against Chelsea. It is Everton's first match with fans in the stadium since Chelsea away last season, which we, of course, lost 4-0. Alex and I were in attendance for that match. It is also Everton's first clean sheet since the opening game of the campaign against Spurs. Same scoreline, 1-0. I am James Boyman here, joined by Ryan Williams. Ryan. How you feeling after that win? I'm like Ric Flair excited. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> woos, mean gene type stuff. Like maybe it's just me. Uh, I You know this, but I, I actually like defensive football. So I was so happy to see us set up the way we do and make it really hard on them. And it was great. And look, man, the fans are back. I'll tell you what, on the TV, I would love to hear more from some people that were there. They sounded like they were making a heck of a lot of noise, which is just the beauty of that beauty of that place, right? 2000 people can make it sound noise. God, that place is amazing. I cannot wait to get back there. Yeah, I'm pumped, man. It was it was a badly needed win. Very much so. Uh, Discord score prediction. So we didn't have anyone predict the score correctly prior to the. uh, Well, okay, so we got to give credit to Joe NWA Everton. That stands for Northwest Arkansas, not maybe the rap group that some may assume. Or not the National Wrestling Alliance from yes. Ric Flair's heyday. Yes. Keeping with the wrestling theme. He did predict the scoreline at 542 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, of course, after the match had concluded. So special shout out to Joe. Cheating <laughs> just a little bit, but we'll give him credit. Uh, so let's wind things back a little bit too. this is a late kickoff. I think this is I saw on Twitter first time Everton have had an 8 p.m. kickoff on a Saturday in their history or something really? along those lines. Yeah. So wow, really interesting. Um, and of course us on the East coast were treated to the tra- traditional English 3 PM kickoff in the afternoon and the lineup that dropped at 2 PM Eastern standard time, uh, immediately caused a little bit of controversy. I mean, it wasn't super surprising, but, uh, it seemed like Gilfie Sigurdsson was, everyone was a little surprised to see him included back in the lineup. And then of course the four center backs all named in the side to, uh, by Carlo Ancelotti, Ryan, what'd you make of, of the decision by Carlo to, uh, go with four CBs. I wasn't surprised about it. I had a feeling he might do that if Coleman wasn't going to be fully healthy. I, I know he doesn't quite trust John Joe to defend in that way because that's not his strong suit. Look, Carlo has been dying for a clean sheet. I mean, the way yeah. he set us up against Newcastle, I, I know we made a mess of that match. Not really. We didn't really give up too much. He set us up strictly there to get a clean sheet. And sometimes you need that to get rolling. Um, so I was not surprised. I definitely wasn't surprised about Godfrey at left back. I didn't figure Niels and Kunku was the right choice in the tactical setup. I figured that we would take. I mean, you can't get in a track meet against these guys. Chelsea has been on fire recently. So I wasn't entirely surprised. A little, little surprised to see Gilfie's name in there. I know he trusts him from a positional standpoint. A tactical standpoint is a lot of things that Carlo has said about him, that he's very tactically astute. Um, and we had gotten some rumors a little bit midweek that that we were going to play a four four two perhaps, and that's what it was. But yeah, Gilfi was a little surprising. I thought the way we set up was um, a little different. But Carlo has said in the past. I mean, he started out as a Sachi kind of disciple. He's a four four two guy, and and I think most people agree those two lines of four 
is a very good way to defend. Um, and, you know, we saw Gordon on the bench. It turned out to not really be the quite the right game for him. I don't know. What were your thoughts? I mean, I, I wasn't shocked about the back four. Were you surprised that Gilfie got in there? No, I wasn't super surprised. I mean, at this point, if you're surprised with Gilfie Sigurdsson starting, I mean, I, I think people were more frustrated than surprised because of this, like I said, at this point, if you're surprised by it, uh, you haven't been watching Everton because he seems to start virtually <laughs> every game, despite the repeated uh, outcry from the fan base. And we'll get into it, but I mean, probably his best game in a very, very long time for Everton. I was a little bit surprised to see Godfrey out on the left just because last match I thought that um, he he put in a shift and he was really useful on the defensive side of the ball. But I still think, and, and I may hit on this later on, I still think that he's a little too reluctant to actually use his left foot, which m limits his effectiveness on the offensive end uh, and even in some defensive situations. But again, we'll, we'll get into it. He was proved me completely wrong. We're talking about before the match kicked off. So no major surprises. It would have been nice to see maybe one of Nkunku or Gordon get a get a look in. But given the fact that they haven't really got significant match time this season to throw them in against Chelsea uh, may have been a little premature. So I can understand why Carlo did what he did. And obviously it paid dividends. There's been logic behind his setups. You know what I mean? It's not they're not yeah. crazy. Um, some of the personnel choices are, are a little bit questionable. Um, I, I think some of our setups, I think Manchester United and Southampton, we just didn't do what we're supposed to do, but I don't think the systems were wrong. I, I was actually right. probably a little more surprised at the Chelsea lineup. I wasn't surprised about Giroud. I, I knew I knew he would come in and I wasn't surprised that they figured out a way to get Havertz in there. But I think I, I was surprised that Christian Pulisic didn't play or wasn't on the bench. Maybe he is still banged up. I know he's coming off injury, but that makes them. I knew we knew Hakim Ziyech was out. Uh, I, that makes them so much less dangerous. Um, yeah. Really, the only guy up there that you think is really going to run at you and beat you is Timo Werner. And yeah, um, yeah I thought that was interesting. Uh, Kovacic is is a good is a good midfielder too. I, I think he's a good player, but they really only attack. Well, let's get into the tactical setup there too, uh, or about before we do that. What were your thoughts too of our lineup? I, nothing overly surprising, but. I, I just think pool six and I'm not trying to be a homer as an American. I think when you put Pulisic on one side and Werner on the other, you've got guys that could dribble by you or run behind you on both sides. It's very difficult to defend. Yeah, I was a little bit. I, I did think it was fortunate for us that that Pulisic didn't end up playing. I mean, the the combination of, of Reese James and Ben Showell at outside back, I thought would potentially give us problems with their inclination to overlap and create things offensively. And we saw a lot of that from Reese James. Other than that, no major surprises. I thought perhaps the, the decision to play both Conte and Kovacic was maybe a little defensive, but uh, Mason Mount ahead of them, clearly really dangerous player. Timo Werner outside just doesn't really do it for me, and I think there's a lot of Chelsea fans that are questioning if that's... It's obviously he's more effective when, when played as a striker. The pace is there, though, to utilize him out wide, and I thought both of our, our fullbacks did a really nice job of isolating and, and limiting their effectiveness um, so no major surprises from the Chelsea lineup, but I thought Carlo had a bang on tactical strategy to kind of neutralize what Chelsea were trying to do. The one thing that people forget, I, I think a lot of people pick a Timo Warner and how he played with Leipzig and they said, well, they were, they were playing a lot of 4-3-3 and 4-2-3-1 and he was playing out left. Well, kind of, but in the same way as, well, today was a little different, but often Richarlison is played up higher almost as really a second striker. They did. It was very interesting. They switched him over to the right at one point. He was moving around. They were trying to feed him, and he certainly was the danger guy. Chilwell didn't really attack much on the no. left side. I found that very curious. I would have thought they would have pushed people up higher. 
Um, but the tactical setup that we had, I mean, we, we, we did not give big gaps in between the lines. I mean, they exploited them a couple times in the second half, but our recoveries were good. And when they did it, they were so far out wide that our guys could recover in the middle, Alon and, and Decore. And once they stopped attacking down the left side, it was totally one dimensional. That being said, Reese James is a pretty good player, actually. I, I'm I'm impressed by him more and more. The more I watch him, his service is pretty good. But the bottom line is you knew Giroud was going to play. So you put Yeri and, and Michael Keane in the middle and suddenly that becomes very difficult. I mean, is that I don't know if that's the best strategy to keep trying to ping balls in there, man. I mean, th- those guys are going to eat him up. And there were a couple of times Drew was was dangerous, but he's limited. And, and that's really what happened. We made them one dimensional going down the right side. And um, other than them crossing balls in, we shut them down. Yeah, it was really interesting how I thought how one dimensional we made Chelsea look and the fact that 49% of their attack came down the right-hand side with Reese James. And as you mentioned, Ben Chilwell really limited in his involvement as well as Timo Werner on the left-hand side. So uh, I thought we did a, uh, basically all that Chelsea had were crosses into the box and between yep. Michael Keane and, and Yeri Mina, they did an excellent, excellent job of shutting that out. And we made Chelsea look really pedestrian. They were, I think, struggling to find answers for almost the entire 90 minutes about what to do. They had, they had their fair share of chances and, Probably could have put a few past us, if not for some fortuitous post hits uh, for Jordan Pickford. We'll be uh, kissing those posts probably after the final whistle went. Um, but but tactical spot setup was spot on by Carlo for me today. I thought we you know did. And actually, what's interesting, if you look at the stats compared to the match against Chelsea, the three one win at Goodison, of course, the ball boy game, the Duncan Ferguson uh <laughs> The, the incredible scenes that got us in that day, the the stats as far as pass success percentage and possession percentage are almost identical. We had 28% possession today. We had 30 uh, last year and then 67% pass success to 63 and Chelsea's likewise are almost identical. So clearly there's a recipe there that, that Carlos saw fit to kind of try to emulate. And though a lot of the other stats like that was obviously a much more offensive game, a lot more chances created. But other than that, I mean, it was really smart to sit back, hold hold the line deep, and and really not give Chelsea anything in the final third. And, and again, spot on job by Carlo and the players for for executing and keeping the clean sheet. There are a lot of factors in that too. It's very funny. A lot of people don't. Some people don't quite understand how you can control a game when you're not in possession. Very Jose right. Mourinho style. Um, and look, we had four four center backs basically playing and and some of those are good athletes too so let's not totally discredit them and it's not like Mason Holgate's never played right back right but um one of the reasons for example why Ben Chilwell couldn't attack very well is because Alex will kept getting behind him you know or was dangerous on the dribble like if Chilwell cheated up too far you know he went by him you know the other thing is too so when you have guys running in behind fullbacks in the channels um in the channels or to the sidelines it makes it hard you know you've got to be looking over your shoulder and Let's be honest, man. Tiago Silva is not the rangiest guy in the world, and, and Zuma is a good athlete too. But you know they can't cover that much if Dominic Calvert-Lewin is occupying them both. And maybe we would have liked to generate a few more chances from some of those counters, but it was dangerous enough so that they couldn't just bomb down both sides. And when you push someone down one side, it makes it much more easy to defend. And, and frankly, you just push them wide. That's what happens. And if we're going to play those monsters in the middle, the guys that really good in the air and we'll get into the individual stats in a moment, too, and how successful Keen and Mina were. I mean, I, I had a feeling my hopes were going into this match was that we could win the battle of midfield. I recognize N'Golo Conte is a terrific player, but I, I had a feeling Mason Mount 
it is a little hot and cold sometimes. I mean, you know he's going to be in there because I swear to God, he's like Frank Lampard's long forgotten son or something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, there, there's no it's like there's no situation he can't play. And Havertz is a really talented kid, but he is inconsistent, too. And frankly, he's a kid. He uh, even last year in the Bundesliga when I'd watch him when he felt like playing, he was awesome. Other times he didn't really, you know, he's very young, still very talented. His peak is still far away. And, and I thought if we played well, I thought we'd go four three three, but we didn't. I thought if we play well, I thought DeCorey and Allen could physically make it difficult for those two guys. And sure enough, they did. And, and I think the biggest thing is we can get into the flow of the game a little bit was I think the early goal for us, and Frank Lampard absolutely said that in the post-game interview, that our setup was obviously benefited, like most counterattacking setups would be, by scoring first. Yeah, and that we did. It was a sensational long ball. It was over-the-top dominant Calvert-Lewin, making things difficult as he does for his, for his center backs, and he forces Mendy into a really awkward position. Mendy goes, I think he forgot which football he was playing, thought it was American football, and just kind of trucks... <laughs> trucks DCL in the box easy pen for John Moss to give probably the easiest decision and one of the few correct decisions I think he made on the day he was just atrocious it was a disaster he awful gives the penalty uh before we talk about the penalty and the goal which was really well taken by Gilfie Sigurdsson I just wanted to quickly allude uh to Alex Awobi's performance in like the first 15 minutes because when we did our last international recap Ryan you talked about his performance for Nigeria against Sierra Leone and how he tries was trying just ridiculously ambitious <laughs> moves and and passes. And I think we saw a little bit from the, of that from a Wobi in the in the early stages of the Chelsea match where he was trying back heels. He was trying to, to take players on. It faded as the game wore on, but it was it was nice to see him coming out and looking uh, so confident in his ability. I know some people are going to be critical of some of his service, but sure, um, fairly enough, also, yeah, and that's fine. You're right. I mean, he's not necessarily a winger per se. You know, he's been used to playing in the half space most of his life. Um, but you do have to give him credit for creating the opportunities and beating guys. And the one thing is, I'll tell you one, one thing that's worth noting is both him and Richarlison. Now, he's obviously not as good as Richarlison in the air, but on a throw in, those guys were boxing in Reese James and Chilwell like nothing. I mean, people forget Alex Iwobi is not a small kid. He's a pretty strong guy and he does shield the ball pretty well. You could tell Chilwell could not get around him. And let me tell you what, here's another thing. I think Chilwell's a, a good left back. I do. Um, I hate that he flops around and dies all the time. He only did that maybe once or twice today. That was lovely. But anyone who seriously thinks that guy is in the same league as Luca Dean is out of their mind. Um, I, it's just it doesn't make any sense to me. And don't give me this. Frank was limiting him today. Uh, he's a good player. I'll give him that. That's it. I just I, it's it's madness. And I thought Alex made things difficult for him at many times. Yeah, if, I'll tell you what. If Alex is just a little more precise on a couple of his crosses, he had some good square balls. He had some yep. good, you know what I mean? He did, man, the things he could have done. Yeah, he deserves credit. You know, we needed energy. We needed someone to hold it up. If you're going to play counter, there's no way you're going to get people up the field if you can't hold the ball up. And I thought we did that. I mean, we gave the ball up away a lot, but at least we tried to do it. And look, the bottom line is we were tactically together. You know, and you saw that early and and Chelsea was a little they were concerned enough about it, I guess. Put it that way. They were looking behind themselves. And I can't say that was necessarily the goal, uh, what led to the goal, but it, it, it was kind of part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a, a little bit of controversy on the PK who who would take it. It seemed like Richarlison really wanted it. We didn't see this on the live broadcast, but in the follow up to the match, they showed it. It looked like there was 
heated discussion, I think maybe the best way to describe it between Gilfie and Richarlison. And it's actually Allen who comes in and steps in and kind of um, mediates the situation and, and talks Richarlison down. Uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson steps up to take it. I think everyone had a moment of intense anxiety with Gilfie standing over it, but he does a really nice job. He he looks left and then plays it slightly to the right, really calmly and coolly slotted home. And Everton are away 1-0 inside 25 minutes. Uh, and as you said, Ryan and Frank Lampard, and I'm sure Carlo Ancelotti would say, you know, you go up when you're trying to play on the counterattack. It makes your job a whole lot easier the rest of the match. Gilfie, I know, I know he's missed some for Everton, and I get it. But I feel like his record on penalties is like, uh, what is he now? He's 29 of 37. So not not his first rodeo. But yeah, if he'd have missed that, oh my God. I think all 2,000 people would have jumped out of their seats and wanted to kill him. Uh, but it was massive. And the thing is, too, right after that, you saw Chelsea jump on us and really create some chances. Yes. But but let, can we? I don't understand John Moss. He was throwing out yellow cards almost like he was guessing. Uh, seriously. I mean... A foul happens. Did he have a coin with him that he just flip and say, oh, that looked like a yellow. I mean, you could have literally maintaining the wrestling uh, theme. You could have like clotheslined someone and it had been like, yeah, maybe a foul. So Richarlison gets a yellow in a fa in the 24th, which good for him to keep on just the yellow and not get the red. I, I don't even understand that made no sense. But Reese James, you know, free kick. That was a decent save. Um, yeah. And then Reese James hits the post off a corner. Basically, that. I, I'll get to it when we talk about individual players. I, I think Pick may have gotten a little piece on it. There was a slight deflection, but we definitely got a little love from the post on that one. And then, then Kurt Zuma had a really good chance in the 27th and happened to hit it right at Pickford. So kudos for Jordan for being in the right position. Um, then I feel like Timo Werner also had a decent chance kind of from the left side where he hit it wide. Those are tough times. I thought for a second that we might concede relatively quickly, but at least it wasn't like in the like against Manchester United, we went up one nil. There were gaps in our lines. You could tell we weren't organized. Um, these were just fortuitous bounces and good plays by Chelsea. We were still pretty organized. So, but yeah, thank thank you, Crossbar. Thank you, Post. Yeah, there was definitely, uh, after we went up, there was, it clearly was a kick up the backside for Chelsea. And I think on the opposite side, we were content to kind of try to see out the next 10 or so minutes without conceding and, and settle things down again. But they did come at us. Uh, quite aggressively, they had some good chances. Jordan Pickford with a couple of nice saves early on in the match. Still, though, anything in the air, anything where he's coming out of the six-yard box and has to take action, it's really, really inconsistent at best. Uh, I, he doesn't inspire a great deal of confidence. There was the pass back where he slipped and nearly, <laughs> nearly we almost conceded off of that. He that had three or four so moments today. That would have been so Everton. It really, truly. <laughs> it truly would have been. There were three or four moments today where he just kind of blundered a little bit. It wasn't an outright goalkeeping error, but it was not not authoritative in the way that it needs to be, and and in, in a way that he hasn't really commanded his box for a long time. So we'll we'll talk about him down the line because I think he kind of divides opinion today, and I think it's a little harsh given that we had a clean sheet, but with two posts, yada yada yada. Anyway. We go into halftime. Well, firstly, there was the the Mason Mount hit with Pickford out of gold, the the lobbed, the chip, whatever you want to call it, that was just over the crossbar. Oh, and what a way to start the second half. Like we come out and oh, it yeah, was that, crazy. Yeah, that kind of terrified me. And then there was kind of a slew of yellow cards. Um, I will say this, though. I mean, we we 
other than that moment, I think that was right after half, wasn't it? Uh, I, I, I thought we were fortunate to get to, not fortunate, but I was happy to get to halftime. I felt like they were putting some pressure on us. Um, and then right away, they kind of came out. But man, I'll tell you, we had that sequence in about the 50th, 53rd, right through the middle there, where I feel like Gilfie played Richie through at one point, not all the way through. Yeah. And he, he kind of scuffed a chance, kind of slipped. Oh, and then Mina missed a header off a count off a corner, which I, I don't blame him for that because you see the ball, you attack the ball. I mean, you can't be totally aware that someone is there necessarily, but I feel like if he'd have let it go, Dom might have finished it. Dom and was right there. He I know. It, it's just, you know, what can you do? You know, you, you, but I will say this too. Gilfie's free kick. Oh, oh, I mean, that was from distance. He had that thing shaped really, really well. I mean, it couldn't have missed by more than a meter. You know what I yeah. mean? While we're exciting the metric. Mendy was well on that one. Oh, yeah, he was. He was. Well, he played it the way he should. He's got to hope that the wall will do something. Um, But he didn't really even react to it. I mean, Gilfie can really shape a ball. I mean, his crossing today was excellent. Um, It's just he needs time and space on the ball, which he doesn't get too often. And we'll get to individual player performances. I I thought he did have it. Um, And then really, there was kind of this duration in the second half. And I don't know if Chelsea was a little bit worn out. I, I thought, oh, there's another yellow card. How about the yellow? First of all, Reese James finally gets a yellow. Should have um, been a second yellow at that I, point. I, I know. Unbelievable, right? And then Tiago Silva gets a yellow where he barely fouls. A, <laughs> I, I just, I don't, I don't understand it at all. I mean, it was, to, it was almost random. Every foul, what was yellow? I felt like Alon got fouled 28 times today uh, and got stomped on, kicked, nothing. He was so mad at one point. When he got fouled near the sidelines, I can't remember. Yeah. Someone nudged him out of bounds. I mean, you. I love his fire. I mean, I. I we said what when we did the American Toffee podcast and we looked at the new players. Uh, we talked about how Alon could eventually be a field general. Um, you could see he's communicating more actively now. I don't know if it's command of the English language or they're just used to him. But um, that was definitely on display. But yeah, I mean, I swear to God, it was random. What was a card and what was not? But really, I mean, we were. Still working very hard, and, and I don't know if it was the crowd, but even all the way up to, and I felt like the Tammy Abraham sub for for Havertz really didn't do a whole lot. I didn't see them as being especially dangerous after that, and we stayed pretty well organized, even, I mean, through most of the second half. I mean, really, the only big chance they had was they gave DeCorey a yellow. Can you, that's another one. What did he get a yellow for? It barely touched James. James flopped like he was dead. And then Mason Mount had that free kick, which was very dangerous. Yeah, a r- ridiculous amount of inconsistency from John Moss. I mean, you you said it first in, in the first half. Richarlison's yellow. I mean, I thought that could have been a yellow. But if that's a yellow, then Chelsea have eight or nine yellows throughout oh, the rest of the match absolutely. easily. Because there was just no consistency from John Moss. But we know he's t- he's crap. That's no surprise to anyone. <laughs> um but yeah, there, as you said, there was kind of like a, this dead spell. And then both managers were prompted to make a, a f- couple substitutions frank lampard brings on abraham for havertz brings on billy gilmore for kovacic and then carlo answers with bringing on andre for siggy tom davies for Wobi, john joe kenny at the last minute which shocked me because he brought on tom davies presumably to kind of cover the wing and then he brings kenny in and leaves the three cbs so uh but it ended up working out we kept our shape we kept our organization but we've seen a lot a lot of times in the past where we do make these kind of incongruous substitutions not like for like that the players seem to be a little confused about how the shape changes and then it makes us a little disorganized but i thought today 
was very different. We stayed compact, we stayed resolute, and we saw the match out. I think functionally, the subs made sense. Yeah. You know, Andre for Gilfie was a one for one in many ways. I mean, Gilfie was sitting back a little deeper, gathering balls and spraying them out to spring counters. Andre's actually decent at that. And Andre not playing deeper, as we've talked in the past, it doesn't matter if he's kind of out of position. Uh, and he could work. He can press high a little bit. You saw it a couple times, a couple fouls at the end too on him that I just thought were ridiculous. I mean, I expect him to foul, but I mean, he's reaching around a guy making a wonderful stab and picking a ball off. Nope, foul. Uh, and then the Davies Awobi sub made total sense. You know, Alex was definitely gassed, and and Davies can play that side even if he's not positionally astute. John Joe actually did pretty well in his little cameo getting in the corner, although playing left back, I don't know if he's ever played that. But other than the Mason Mount free kick, where Pickford. Oh boy. Um, Yikes. Where Jordan cheated. Uh, Big time. Big I, I, I don't know. What is he thinking there? I don't get it. It was tight. It wasn't going to get over the wall, especially with the height we had. That's the other thing that's worth noting. I think initially in the lineup, people thought, God, Gilfie, why is he in there? I can't remember who it was, and I should give him due credit. Made a very good point. He's in there for freakiest and set pieces. Because look, if you've got four center backs in there, and look, Mason Holgate and Godfrey are not great in the air, but still, four guys, Dominic Calvert Lewin in there too, Richarlison. I mean, set piece, we were dangerous. Uh, we had a couple headers on him that didn't quite go, but, you know, really, we saw the game out, and, and the team deserves a lot of credit for it, man. They worked really, really hard, stayed compact, and I mean, how many shots on target did Chelsea have in the second half? They had very few, four or five. Zilch, not oh, four shots, four none shots, on four target. Shots, yeah, none on target. The one hit the bar in the mount free kick. That's right, it. Right, right, right. That's it. And uh, really, that's... That's the name of the game, man. You go up just like Frank Lampard said in a very Italian manner, you know, be disciplined and see the game out. And we did what what was necessary to win. And it was just really nice to see us see it out, be tactically astute, be organized. And Carlo finally showing the the types of things he can do as a coach. And Gilfie actually said it in the post game that they had worked very hard this week on defensive shape. And it showed. It did. It did. And and so I think that kind of wraps our little our segment talking through the timeline of the match. But I think we'd be remiss if we didn't run through some of the individual performances because there were several that were quite outstanding today. And the man who will lead is none other than the goal uh, goal scorer himself. We've got Gilfie Sigurdsson, six key passes today, three from open play to dominated on set pieces. As and we should give credit, I wish we could, but in the absence of Luca Dean and Hamas Rodriguez, you really do need that kind of set piece, someone capable of being dangerous from set pieces. And he was just that off the ball. I thought his work rate was solid. If not, you know, the legs are what they are at his age, not outstanding, but he, he got around the pitch quite well. And on the ball, he found himself in a lot of space tracking back. And he did a really good job of getting the ball forward quickly uh, and, and kind of instigating our attacks. He deserves a lot of credit. I, I thought Allen would be another one. Alan would be the other one I'd kind of look at. I, I thought them together and to Corey, maybe to a lesser extent, but I thought in the midfield, they did a very good job when we won the ball, finding a little space to, to spring a counter. And uh, we, we did a good job with that. I mean, we were organized. We were confident in tight spaces, man. I mean, that's, yeah. that's hard to beat. And Guilfi deserves credit. I mean, when he's got a second to make kind of those one punch touch passes, he's good at them. He has skill. His, his technical abilities are not the issue. But today, I think what I was very impressed with is his shape, his positioning. I mean, four interceptions, man, two tackles. I mean, he tackles a bit. I mean, he, he put in a shift. And, you know, back in the days when he would 
lead the Premier League or at least be high there in terms of distance covered. Of course, none of it was very quickly covered. <laughs> um, but you saw a lot of that today. His work effort was was great. And and he um, he was one of the best players on the pitch. Uh, but Alon deserves a lot of credit too for dribbles. I mean, watching him, even though he's not fast, carrying the ball in traffic and and once he's won the ball, and that guy makes different approaches to tackle and win and deflect balls like crazy. I mean, he's a complete artist about it. He put in such a shift, fouled three times, really, or fouled several times that weren't called. Yeah, I I, I thought they won the battle of midfield today, and I thought that was a difference maker. Yeah, just from Squawka. So this is some context for Gilfie Sigurdsson. Seven chances created versus Chelsea tonight. Gilfie Sigurdsson had six, the most by an Everton player in a single Premier League game in over two years. So I think that speaks for itself. I And three from open play. I mean, that's important. You know what I mean? We talk about his set pieces, which is where he gets most of them. And he's not, but he had three from open play and he was constantly firing crosses in that were very good. And he was able to find, Richar- I mean, there was that one that you mentioned earlier that he sent out wide to Richarlison. Richar- it was a little behind him. I think Richarlison uh, ended up getting a shot off in the end, but it was more difficult than it may have needed to be. Still a pretty good pass. Great. And and as you said, I, I, going into like the 60, 70th minute, I thought Allen was far and away the man of the match in my eyes. Uh, the way that he can just go in for tackles and the ball or have tackles thrown in on him and somehow the ball manages to just stick to his feet no matter what. He's just always got this close control. And for a guy who's not really renowned for his athleticism or his acceleration, his decision-making when driving the ball forward, I thought was excellent today. He knows he has just a way to read midfielders, know if they're going to step to him and know when to drive the ball forward. He's but, under control when he does. Yes, it. he's exactly. really nice head up, great control. And he's so strong on the ball, even though he's not a big guy. Exactly. And I thought, you know, the type of player we've been missing in our midfield for years, a huge signing for us. Um, another, Parts of the pitch, Richarlison today. Uh, tough. To I don't know. I'm, what do you? What did you think about? Like, I kept thinking. I'm like, is he playing well? Is he not playing well? He seems a little off. He was productive, but lost the ball a lot. I don't know. What did you think? I mean, he put in a shift for sure. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it on our Toffee TV episode midweek. He's under. He's creating and getting in really dangerous areas, and the finishes just aren't there. Little reminiscent of like Dominic Calvert-Lewin in the past where he gets in the good areas and can't find the finishing touch. He st- he looked at, first of all, he looked gassed at the end of the game. He looked exhausted. There was the moment he received the ball and he could have driven it at the Chelsea net and he kind of just stood there. Yeah. And Chelsea didn't pressure him. And I think at that point, everyone was kind of exhausted because it had been kind of a chaotic sequence of play. But he he does look like he's lacking a little bit in confidence. And there was early on in the match, there was that moment where He's in on the left-hand side around the six-yard box, a little further out, maybe eight to ten yards out. And he's on his strong foot, and he just scuffs the shot, and it's a weakly hit shot on the ground and easy for the keeper. So for a player that we're so used to seeing being excel at finishing with his both feet and his head, he's getting the chances, but he's just not putting them away. But he does work incredibly hard, and he's still a problem that the defense can never, ever forget about the entire length of the match whenever he's on the pitch. Yeah, he puts in the shift and I mean, he was fouled three times. A lot of the probably fouled more than that. And that helped us, you know, it slowed the game for a second, allowed us to set up some set pieces. But yeah, you can't argue. He was dispossessed three times, five bad touches. You know what I mean? But again, three tackles, great work rate. And and he was playing a little differently in defense. He was asked to run a lot today. You know what I mean? I mean, to go up and try and play off the counter, he had also come back. Both him and Awobi were mediocre maybe but you know it's hard to you know you got to love richie i i will say this carlo has got to address the any issue with taking a penalty i don't understand that at all that's never made sense to me 
So the manager will tell you who takes a penalty. Like other than that, shut up. I, I know some managers are not like that. They want someone to step up with confidence. Gilfie said in the post game that, yeah, that's not good. But he also said it's good that people want to take it. And I'm glad that Richarlison is, is still confident. I know he probably feels pressure to score. I get it. So, yeah, mixed bag for him, I, I think. Um, on the defensive end, though, I, I can't really find fault with too many people. Holgate had a bunch of clearances. Godfrey, considering they attacked 49% down the right side and were dangerous, a lot of pressure on him. I, I thought he did wonderfully well. Uh, they kept trying to switch the ball back over to the right. He picked off five passes. Pretty wow. impressive. He had a tackle. I know he's not the best in the air, but he did. Uh, he really only maybe had one or two slips where he might have fouled someone. He did well. He showed composure, and and you could see he's good on the ball too. I mean, he's not Luca Dean, but but he still was good on the ball. He helped break through pressure. Um, I, I thought he had a fantastic game, and obviously, Mean and Keen were complete beasts down the middle. Yeah, I mean, given the concerns that we had at left back and the lack of depth there without Luca Dean, he's come in the last couple of matches and and been immense. Never going to be a direct replacement and never going to offer quite the same impact offensively. But if you can just get a player who he's just he's just an incredible athlete all around, well-rounded. And some of the more refined parts of the game may still be uh, in development for him. But his read, his anticipation and his willingness to drive forward, there was the I think it was probably around the 85th, 86th minute. He got the ball and he just went and it really kind of killed off a lot of the the pressure that Chelsea were were putting on us and yeah a really strong another really strong performance from him really in a position that's not super comfortable again being a right-footed player playing on the left not always the easiest and he answered the calls today with emphasis uh, and I also want to give a shout out to both of the center backs Mina and Keen gave nothing to Chelsea Giroux pretty much anonymous he had one chance that he smashed over the bar off of a uh, cross that had a lot of pace but they were both really effective, direct, not trying to do too much. Mina got on the ball a little bit more. Michael Keane, I, I just, in, in a season that we've, in a, in a season where our defenses looked all out of sorts, I thought that we were composed all across the back four. And Mason Holgate's not really on this list, but he, and because Chelsea didn't really attack down his side all that much, but he looked incredibly comfortable and composed as well. He was not happy with Timo Werner at one point. No, which you love to see. Oh, heck yeah, man. Shut the, you know what? Uh, that yeah. was awesome. But that's him. He's fire. He's not going to take any garbage from him. And I'm glad he didn't. You know, I mean, we're not going to let those guys push us around in Goodison Park, especially with four center backs. Are you kidding me? And Duncan Ferguson is your assistant manager. You know, <laughs> right. he could take care of business. Yeah, uh, they all deserve credit. And then uh, we've got to bring up our guy, Alex Awobi. You talked about mm -hmm. him earlier. I mean, he had, you know, four dribble attempts. Uh, he held up the ball really, really well. Some of his crosses were a little bit off. You know, it's funny how stats work, you know, and that's why we talk about them to give some sort of picture of objective reality. But but let's talk about the the waved off goal that was offsides um, yeah. or the waved off penalty. Yeah, he, he was offsides and that's OK. And I'm glad we're not talking about that because I'm so tired of talking about VAR when it looks like it's right. Even if it's not perfect, it's the closest we can come to objective. He's offsides. Let's move on. You know, I, I don't. I don't want to hear every Everton fans complaining about it. it is what it is. And it's the same for everyone else. For the most part, they try and do their best as stupid as we may think it is. That's a good example of a through ball or a ball in a space that Alex does very well. You know, he, he passes on the ground, whether it's a through ball, whether it's a, a you know, a square ball and a couple of times, a couple of guys maybe didn't react quite as quickly to them as possible. He's pretty precise and he was dangerous. 
Um, and he's still not entirely familiar around the right side, but but he did really well early and he helped on defense and did very well. They were very well organized and um, he deserves a lot of credit. I thought he did not have quite the match he had last week where I thought he was outstanding. He maybe wasn't the danger that he was against Fulham, but he did well. He was definitely one of our better performers. Yeah, I thought so, too. Again, this is I think this is three games in a row. The first one, this was, this was the first time he was given, I think, a little more license to get forward, obviously not in that right wing back position. And he was he, he defenses look like they they're a little intimidated by him at times. His agility on the ball, the crosses will come. I mean, it's interesting the standards that people hold. Alex Awobi too, and the end product again. I I'll fully admit it's not there, but there's been plenty of games that Luca Dean has been all over the place with his crosses, with his corners, et cetera, et cetera. I thought Alex Awobi had some really nice crosses that there was just no one there to get on the end of, and his ability to, on the break. The the one to Calvert Lewin should have been a split second earlier, probably would have been a goal, but a really strong performance again. And people were calling for him to be dropped for Anthony Gordon. I see no way that Alex will gets dropped anytime soon based on the last three games as evidence. I think he's been consistently one of our most dangerous players, even though again, the end product, which is the most difficult part hasn't quite yet got there, but I think it's, it's coming. I thought last, I thought last week his end product was okay though. I mean, in all defense, yeah. it's just some people didn't react to it. Yeah. He's, he's just got an, an element of unpredictability that, that helps us a lot. And yeah, Gordon, fine to bring uh, Gordon's Gordon should be on against tired legs, you know, using his mm-hmm. pace um, and he's going to get plenty of chances, man. We've got what a match on Wednesday, you know, so it's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen. So let's talk Jordan Pickford, Ryan, because uh, you put him initially on the bad list and I said I disagree and you put it out on Twitter and it seems like people are all over the place on their thoughts with Pickford. I think Everton tweeter uh, at EFC, EFC, EFC three said summed it up i think quite nicely when he said classic pickford really some good moments and erratic moments what did you make of pickford's performance he was certainly lucky a couple times but a couple good saves as well i I can't figure him out i i just we've talked about the numbers you know in terms of expected goals and goals he's conceded and they've been very bad the last two years i I just i I watch it he doesn't inspire confidence but i felt like he was fortunate like the Reese James shot. He's good on low balls. I mean, that that's the type of thing he would save. I, I just can't help but think a lot of the saves he makes look spectacular because he is out of position. And the free kick was fundamental. What, what is he thinking there? I, I don't I don't understand it. Uh, coming out on crosses, he's inconsistent. I thought in the last 10 minutes, he did very well. He was aggressive. Uh, he came out strong. Again, he's got two massive guys in front of him that kind of fending people off. But I just, you know, it's it's amazing though. You see all the different responses. You know, I I think from people saying that I don't think he ever plays well. Uh, Evertonian Jamie said that. I love that one. I honestly don't think he ever plays well. I I, I don't know what to say. I mean, the the punch, the f- bad punch where Mount got the ball from twenty five yards out and could have just kind of chipped it in and hit it a little high. It wouldn't have been an an easy shot to do that because you're kicking it over a running back Gary Mina, but. I, I just, I, I don't see it. Um, I, I sound like Paul Merson now, like talking about <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne. Don't ever you know? say that, Ryan. Don't yeah, ever well, say that. Yeah, him and I are a little different. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I just, no, I just, I, just don't, I just don't think he's good enough. I don't. I'm happy we kept the clean sheet, though. You know, I'm thrilled for him. I want him to play well, of course. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought he was incredibly fortunate today. I mean, look, they didn't have a shot on goal the whole second half. 
So I, I don't know what brilliant saves he made that were so important. Maybe I'll go back and think differently on the reshame shot, but um, he was in good position to take the Kurt Zuma shot too, I, I guess. Um, I don't know. I'm very interested to hear your thought. You and I go back and forth on this a lot. I just, uh, in my mind and my heart, I don't think he's very good, but I'm hesitant to say that because you know what I mean? There are enough moments there where you see some natural instincts that are good and I don't know. I personally don't think I'm very good at, at, at judging goalies uh, and that's it. You know, I mean, you know yeah. about my background in terms of sure. education and scouting and things like that and coaching, but I, I just, I, I admittedly struggle to judge goalkeepers. So I'm not that definitive about my opinion of it, but if you put a gun to my head and said, who would you like to see next match him or Robin Olson? I take Robin Olson every day of the week. And, and I don't think that's an unfair take. I mean, it's, first of all, it's a really hard position to assess because the influence on the game is like, oftentimes really isolated into individual moments. Yes. And he has a precedent of making these mistakes. And and for me, he's just, my problem with him is just the inconsistency, which as Everton Twitter alluded to anytime something happens where he has to get involved in the match, I am on the edge of my seat, expecting him to mess up. And that's not a good feeling that you want to have. And he was okay. In some moments today, he didn't really have to do a whole lot. Second half. His distribution at times is really good. At times it's borderline terrible. He's just an accident waiting to happen. And like his demeanor on the pitch, he just comes across as like a little, as, as they'd say across the pond, a little bit mental. Like he's just screaming. <laughs> and sometimes you want that. And sometimes you want some, you want him to just show that little bit of composure and maybe a little bit of, uh, I don't know, humbleness where You know, he's making, he's slipping and then he's laughing and those sorts of things. And maybe that's a little bit harsh on us because he's under so much pressure. I don't think he's that great either. And I don't think he's the long-term answer, but I also think it's really hard to pile on him when we've just kept a clean sheet for the first time in a really long time. And he played a role in that. He did have a couple decent saves. I think the defense deserves a lot more credit than Pickford, but I think he was okay today. Still doesn't inspire confidence. And next match, he could be absolutely atrocious. So he's not the long-term answer, but to pile on him today seems a bit unfair. Yeah, we won, and, and we're all very yes. excited and very happy exactly. about it. And look, if we're going to sit there and pick and choose the handful of people that are not going to continue on this team as we progress to hopefully, you know, the trajectory that we're shooting for under Carlo, I mean, he, he's he's going to be in there with a bunch of guys, too. It's not just him. Sure. I, he just doesn't inspire confidence. Um, what about DeCorey? I think he was the other one that we were back and forth on uh, admittedly I'm not objective on him because I love him he's right. my favorite player his energy and his I, I would love to know how much distance he covered today I mean he was yeah. sprinting at times in like the 80th and all the match and that that's part of what I love about him and I, I don't want to be so American shall I say and just saying we just need big strong athletes that can run and and because he, he clearly he's a little inconsistent with this touch but man you see some one touches for him taking balls out of the air that are just perfect you know and he's a little chaotic at times and he plays very fast um i i thought he was good uh you know i mean he he made it so that they weren't attacking down his side that's for sure uh but you know he did give the ball away maybe a couple times i mean he had some tackles i, I don't know what you're he wasn't man of the match by any stretch of the imagination and he was part of the discipline in the organization but i don't know what your i thought the yellow on him was a joke and totally harsh yeah. but i don't know what your thoughts were uh, on his performance what I would like to say first is for some reason, when I was watching the match on TV today, I looked at, De- I looked at DeCorey and I was like, who's that massive guy in midfield? 
<laughs> he's a big guy, but for some reason today it just hit me, struck me suddenly. He's a really he looked massive. Why, why? I think it's funny you say that because when he was signed, a bunch of people were like, oh, he's six foot two. He's huge. I mean, he's not. I mean, he's five eleven, six feet tall, but I, maybe it's the way he kind of like kind of stands like he kind of he has a very distinct uh, physical way about him where he kind of yeah. hunches over a little bit, you know, the way he runs and stuff. But yeah. it is amazing. It, you know, the one thing to think about, there was one point too. if Dom. I think Dom on the penalty, he was offsides. It didn't matter if you had just passed it over to Decore. That That's the one thing you got to give him credit for, man. He manages to get from way in the back up top and put himself in some dangerous positions off counters and stuff. We, we haven't found him yet. Dom missed him. Um, I think it was last week, too, on a play yeah. uh, against Burnley, which, oh, my God, you know, it's amazing the shift he puts in. Yeah, he's a big guy, man. He's not. Maybe it's just the guys in in. Uh, Midfield for Chelsea weren't the biggest guys, although Havertz is, you know, probably six foot two, uh, just skinny. I mean, on his day, he's physically dominant. Uh, John Moss, honestly, a couple times he breathed on someone, they fell and he called a foul. Another time yeah, I've convinced yeah. he could have crashed into him like one of my hockey matches and it would have been fine. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, what I, I thought he did. I thought he did. Okay. He was okay. He was, he was fine. He, the shift, the work rate, the sprinting, there was a couple moments. I just, we we turned the ball over and he would sprint back from the from Chelsea's final third and like full all out sprint and that work rate is outstanding. I just can't put him up there like alongside Sigurdsson or Allen. I thought he was probably the worst of the three, but by no means bad. He was effective. He did a job, put it in a shift, but he just kind of is the odd man out in that that midfield three of of strong performers. I think it'd be harsh to say he was bad, but he was very solid. And again, we won, so there's no point in splitting hairs here when it comes to uh, individual performances. No, fair enough. And and like I said, I think the big summary today really was that Chelsea only had four shots and none on target after the break. And and look, they had 71% possession, but I never felt like they were truly in command of the game. Uh, truly. And, uh, you know, we went out to the Twitter sphere. A lot of people tweeted back at us and had some good things to say. So let's start with random Everton. Nothing is random. <laughs> Sorry, I, had, I had a friend back in the day that was a philosophy guy and he was, was going to say this isn't a philosophy podcast. I, he would all I know well I told you before the pod kind of I'm on that cook on that kick for some reason right now but um, brilliant he said Gilfie had his best game in years the midfield closed everything down as a unit which made it tough for Chelsea to break through Holgate Godfrey and Keane all brilliant dare I said it I can't see how Awobi doesn't start next game all hail Iwobinho um <laughs> The one thing I did like is we did it with shape, but also with energy. You know, there were times where even Mason Holgate could come up forward and pressure and, and, and you know, the team didn't fly out of shape. You know, people were covering for each other. So it was more active. You know, it wasn't like totally sitting back low block the whole time. And um, Gilfie did have a great game. You know, I, I can't argue that. I can't argue that at all. And I think the next one from Emily is a really good one, too. EJT816, Emily, I know Tim Howard said it, but the energy was so noticeable. Thank God fans are back. Thought Godfrey Holgate and Keen worked very well at the back for the first time. Yeah, the energy was there. And I, I was thinking about that for some reason today going into the game. And I thought, you know what? We need a little Duncan Ferguson kick in the butt. We need to go yeah. out there and attack these guys, kick some people. I think I even suggested to someone, maybe it was, may have been texting the godfather, Alex Johnson, and saying, we need to go out maybe and start tactically fouling. Just start the game that way and kick some people. I, I don't know. I, I think that's a good take by both of those two. 
Yeah, it's really interesting. I was listening to, or I was watching the Manchester Derby before our match, obviously, and they were talking about United's really poor home form. And I've just found it really interesting over the last several months since, since Project Restart, basically, when the games resumed, the emphasis put on home versus away form, because I just think so much of it is taken away in the absence of fans. And today we saw, for the first time, fans able to get behind the new signings, get behind Carlo in a really long time. And I think you'd be a fool to say that it didn't have a massive impact, especially as the game wore on and you could tell that players were getting more tired. That extra boost throughout the match, and the fans were great. They were loud. They were supportive. They booed John Moss when it was appropriate, though they may have waited a little bit long to do so. And it's just a really good feeling to be have that little pinch of normalcy uh, return in what has been such a really bizarre and unusual year. Um, so good call on Emily, to Emily for calling it out. The energy was great. Dave Elkin at Elk Nasty One said, first thought is that we absolutely need to stick with the back four. Even if we're playing four center backs, the back three was not working and the back line was fantastic today. Overall, just happy to get the three points. Now to keep it going. I think that's spot on. Uh, I saw a tweet that was like uh, Fabian Delft's best contribution to Everton since his arrival <laughs> was getting injured and forcing oh, us to goodness. revert to the back four. That's a little harsh on Fabian, but the sentiment isn't wrong. We just look so much better without having and, and so much more consistent in our shape and our our positioning when we have those four four at the back and the four four two also in the defensive shape made a huge huge impact. So uh, good call, Dave. Spot on. And I think the next one was right too. I think this summarizes summarize how we all feel. Praise underscore Ola. Uh, much needed win. Awobi, Godfrey, and Sigurdsson were all great. We really kept a good defensive shape. We even had luck on our side with post hits. That's right. And you need a little bit of that sometime. That's how it is. And Taylor Pratt. I like heard a lot from Taylor recently. Sigurdsson's revenge game on the fans. Touche, Gilfie. Touche. <laughs> all right. That's a little bit. And then look, let's be honest. We can't have a pod. Without mentioning Bossman Jr., our own RuPaul Pogba, um, who had some things to say today, by the way, after the Man U match. Also, back on a 63-point pace. Seven points from four against Big 6-2. I think he is referencing our original long, uh, long format breakdown going into the season in terms of what the target is on points. Um, I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. I felt like it was like 62 points something. Um but that, I think, is the realistic goal this year. And and I will say this. I feel like the bottom of the table is just not getting any wins against anyone. You saw it today again Ugh. with West Brom. So, oh, God, nothing is working in our favor. That's another reason why this three points is absolutely so critical. But, yeah, it's important. You know, that's a win that I wouldn't have pegged as well as Chelsea was playing. And I know a lot of people look at, at the series of fixtures. Um, but I, I don't. Like for me, so why look at the next ones? Look, we got Leicester. It'll be very interesting how we set up to that because Leicester like to counter too, and they will pressure. Then we have Arsenal. I'm not remotely concerned about Arsenal. They are not, I don't think, a great side. I don't care how big they are and how much money they've spent. Then we have that quarterfinal match in the EFL Cup. I'll tell you what. And then you've got Sheffield and Man City's tough too, but I mean, we've shown that we can play behind the ball a little bit. West Ham's a big one too, and then FA Cup. I mean, th there's a... There's not many easy matches in the Premier League, but we've got a tough schedule all the way up through really the middle of February. And then we've got our chance to really close strongly. But I don't know. The fixtures are coming hot and heavy right now. So there's going to be a lot of play. And it was nice to see us play behind the ball, show a solid shape. And 
defend and see one out because that's what it's going to take in some of these sloppy games, especially with the weather building up in December. You know what I mean? Yeah, most definitely. And it's going to be a hectic. December is always hectic with with all the football fixtures and we're recording like every three or four days doing post matches and all that. And with that, I think it's important to kind of reflect and think about something Carlo Ancelotti alludes to in like his general managerial strategy, which is never to get too high or too low. I think uh, Ola really hit on this in his comment. We had luck on our side today with the post hits. This very, very easily could have been 2-1 or 3-2. We very easily could have lost this match. And if we had all of the statements about a strong performance, would be saying the exact opposite, saying that we were poor. So it's such, it's just such fine margins. I think as a fan base, we need to brace ourselves for a tricky December. It's going to be a lot of perhaps inconsistency. Hopefully we can remain injury free, but I'm very optimistic after this win, really morale boosting for the squad and the fan base and sets us up nicely for the rest of the season. Um, before we wrap, let's talk man of the match. Ryan, I'll let you go first. Yeah, you never let me go first. Thanks, man. That's you're digging deep today. <laughs> I'm in a good mood, okay? I, oh, I'm stoked, man. I, I was telling James off off air before we got in this thing. If you haven't noticed, I buried a cup of coffee before I came on. So, uh, and my son had an amazing uh, hockey game, a very intense one earlier today. So we've had a good day. Um, you know, I'm I'm gonna go with the Iceman. Love it. I I. No, I'm not. I'm going to go with a lot. I, I can't do it. I, I th- Look, it's just not me. I can't pick the attacking guy. I, I don't know. Both of them played really well. I think the battle of the midfield was important. A lot. I just got to just love a guy that plays like that. You know, he was kicked. He was torn up the whole time. The dribbles, the carrying forward, taking care of it. Uh, you know, he's disrupt. You don't know. No. It's got to be guilty. It has to be. Look, the guy had four interceptions two make tackles. up your mind. I know. I, this is what this is why I don't go first. Right. Uh, no, Gilvey deserves credit. Three key passes from open play. Set pieces were dangerous, but I, I just think he was tactically astute. He worked really well with Tom kind of be, you know, we defended mostly in really a four, four, two or a four, five, one, whatever the heck you want to call it. And he did really, really well. He always seemed to be in the right spot. When does that ever happen with them? He had 44 touches for heaven's sakes. Normally, I know people accuse him from running away from the ball. That's more just the way he plays. But today he was really available to alleviate the pressure when we did pick a pass off or, or win one, that's so important against a team that's packing you in. You know, you force him out. He was the guy, the outlet inside and some of his passes through the channel against guys that were really tired. I mean, I think in another match, guys maybe um, had a little more energy or maybe even Richarlison played a little better. He could have had a couple assists. You know what I mean? We could have, it could have been a three ones, I mean, a score, you know, who knows? But yeah, Gilfie's my guy. The Iceman deserves it. He came back and really had a great match. What about you? Yeah, I'm going with Allen. I don't think it's, uh, I could go Gilfie, but I was just so impressed. Continue to be so impressed with him. The influence, the composure, the fight, and the passion that he shows on a week-in, week-out basis is is so refreshing and encouraging to see. And I think it carries over to the rest of the squad as well. I think he's a bit of a, a spark for us um, and can just be so disruptive in, on the defensive side of the ball and yet so create so much synergy on the offensive side. So He'll get my man of the match, but Gilfie Sigurdsson, uh, well-deserved shout on your part. Uh, before we wrap, quick shout out. Uh, we, of course, in just an hour and a half, have the kickoff of the MLS Cup uh, MLS Cup final, Seattle Sounders against Columbus Crew. Shout out to Alex Johnson and James 
Harper, our producer. Uh, they are both Sounders fans, so best of luck to the Sounders tonight. The the crew, of course, knocked out New England Rebs, which uh, kind of my club, so I'll be rooting for the Sounders as well. Ryan, any words on the MLS Cup? I know you're a massive fan of the league. I'm not going to bore anyone with it, but the, the <laughs> MLS playoffs have been really exciting, and I hope we see a good one tonight. And look, you know, it's it's not too many times have we been able to say in the last couple of weeks that we're on an Everton win. It's also Saturday too. It's not we don't have to wait for it on Sunday, and we can just kick back, crack open a couple uh, beverages of your choice, and uh, enjoy the rest of the evening if you're over here in America. Uh, I'm sure the California guys are also thrilled the fact they didn't have to get up at 4 a.m. for a match. Uh, I don't know how they do that. Uh, so kudos to those guys uh, and all the Toffee fans out there. You know, it was a much needed win. And, I, I, you know, it's nice to be on Twitter and on social media to see all the joy of all the guys out there. Uh, our Discord has been great today. Um, and I, I'm just thrilled. You know, it was one that you didn't necessarily see coming. I think a lot of us thought we were going to get smashed. And boy it's just it's so refreshing to see us go in play discipline play with heart play tough and uh come out with uh with three points man i'm stoked and I, it's basically made my weekend uh and let's hope we uh, get back at it on on wednesday very well said and i completely agree so for all you blues out there thanks for listening please do give us a follow on social media uh, facebook twitter instagram at usa toffee pod join our discord invite.gg slash atp all of that good stuff. Be sure to uh, rate review on your podcast platform of choice. Be sure to give Spirit of the Blues a couple plays as you enjoy the rest of your weekend. And until next time, up the toffees.